Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. In this episode of Procurement Reimagined, I'm joined by Nadia Stoikov, Chief Procurement and Supply Chain Officer at Tesco Group, a global company that makes automotive fabrics and seat components. Nadia deep dives into the implementation gaps in procurement at most companies and reimagines procurement by focusing on the quality of talent and removing the structural impediments to deliver true value to the company. She also explains why sales and procurement are two sides of the same coin. Nadia brings over 30 years of leadership experience in the procurement and supply chain domain. My thought is the following. For years and years, uh, because I've worked with several procurement organizations in some big and reputable industries, which uh, are all in the manufacturing sectors, and we can say chemicals, automotive, specialty chemicals, coatings, and so on, with reputable companies. The amazing part is that at very few companies, you have a truly professional procurement people, not at the top, but rather in the middle management layer. And this is a very important layer because this is the layer that makes the strategy happen. Okay, so if this layer is not prepared, because, you know, a very good leader, you can have an excellent CPO, but the excellent CPO could not participate in every negotiation, could not get their hands dirty and micromanage the organization. The organization has to have the skill and ability to do that themselves and follow certain best practices and, and professionalism, which I do not see. And these are practically the areas when I enter an organization that are due for a good transformation. And the transformation is a lot on a human level, which means, you know, upgrading the talent, creating skills that they don't have, but at the same time is structural. Because many of the impediments for a good and efficient procurement is the overall structure of the company. And as an example, I can give you this, that You know, for example, a company, let's say a global company with many production sites, where every production site is treated like its own P&L center and its own company, and they do whatever they please to do, could never have efficient procurement process just because there is no connection between the islands. And for any global process, the same is true for supply chain, as a matter of fact, because procurement uh, at the end of the day is quite inseparable of the supply chain philosophy. You could not have a global procurement and local supply chain that works in a seamless way. So what I'm saying is that these complexities, if you hire people to manage just one production plant in procurement, the level uh, that you're going to look for, and you normally promote people from within, from certain functions like, let's say, manufacturing or R&D, do not have the capabilities and the commercial acumen to either understand the strategy and then apply it professionally for the benefit of the organization they're working for. And I find this as a huge gap across the board because where the procurement people and talent is sourced from is really one and the same pot, which is not the right pot, okay? 
The right path really is to introduce a lot more diversity, to introduce people that have seen other environments, to even introduce people that have uh, been successful salespeople. Because to be a good buyer, you need to be a good seller. You need to understand the selling process. You need to understand what's happening on the other side of the supplier. Because you could use all of these to your benefit, but it requires thinking. You don't just prepare a presentation for a negotiation where you describe everything about the product, but you don't have the key questions. What is your selling process? So who needs to allow this or that? Who is the person in front of me talking to me? Is this a decision maker? Is that the right level? Is that the person that could make things happen for me in this organization? All of these questions are rarely asked, believe it or not. And then procurement turns into something like a little bit more sophisticated shopping, where based on the purchasing power of the customer, okay, it's either more successful just because you have consolidated buy and you, know, you naturally get discounts, or less successful because you buy little things and, okay, whatever you do, you can just save some pennies, but it's nothing significant. Okay, And that's why my argument is in two lanes. One lane is how structurally the whole procurement function is organized, what is its place in the organization, because it's equally important as sales. Okay, Sales deliver on the top line and procurement delivers on the bottom line. Both are inseparable. And in hard times, you know, if you're very good and optimized on the bottom line, the top line only benefits, okay, because you can do so much, right? And especially now, when we had so much turmoil around the world with supply chain disruptions, with costly raw materials and constantly volatile raw materials that you could not predict how much they're going to be next month. The two principles of structure and people remain like an axiom for every organization. And it needs to be looked at, okay? And the more you separate procurement within little pockets, the more you're losing the entire picture and the more you're losing of the full game. Okay, because the big money that you make in procurement is really by managing to consolidate as much buy as possible and then finding the right suppliers that are going to give you the value that you expect, not the price, okay, the value that you expect because the supplier can give you a lot more other value, fringe value, more than just price, because price is volatile, price is following normal indexes, and that's something not to ignore, I'm not saying to ignore, but think of the long-term benefits you can deliver to your organization by setting up certain non-tangible, some tangible, but not easily evaluatable values. And this is really the level which every procurement professional, every buyer, should be able to identify at any point in time, doesn't matter if they're buying raw materials, uh, indirect, uh, shoes, hats, or whatsoever. Really, the product doesn't matter, and the industry doesn't matter, because this is a purely commercial activity where a human being connects with another human being. They both want something for themselves, and the best solution is somewhere in the middle. It has to be a win-win. If you get too greedy on one side, and you have let's say, the upper hand for a little while, this is going to be returned like a boomerang to you a little afterwards when condition changes. And if this condition change like almost daily, you know, nowadays, it's absolutely predictable that they're going to change. So building relationships and being able to 
professionally manage these relationships to the benefit of both sides is critical. That means that you need to know the other party better than you know yourself. And I'm not saying know the person because you could not really know everybody out there. You should know the organization, how important you are to this organization. What is the overall weight of your company in their portfolio? How much of a leverage you have? What is the decision-making process? And what are the things that are trying to achieve? All of this is public information to a greater extent, but with a good relationship, you can find out from your counterpart. And once you know that, you can position yourself in the best spot so your sales counterpart could go to their boss and say, look, I achieved the price that you wanted. And they're not going to mention, but I gave them consignment stock, low payment terms, and something else which as a working capital value is a lot more valuable than the few pennies above the price. Okay. And then you win, he wins. He's a winner in the eyes of the boss. And you have gained a lot of value from the supplier. And you continue this relationship, but you need to understand what's important. It could be the other way around, of course. It could be something different. And what I'm saying is that the problem is that the pool from which the buyer, the middle management in procurement organization is sourced from is very narrow and very inappropriate for the skills you need in order to be on a high professional level and deliver as much value as possible for your organization. Okay, so if you look at some of the job descriptions for new candidate <laughs> searches for buyers, it's like a ransom note, okay? You have to be from this industry. You have to be with that many years of experience oh, yeah. that particular product. And this is ridiculous. That category, Actually, yeah. Right. So this is exactly you should not be, by the way, because you need to bring a new blood. You need to bring another viewpoint, you need to bring somebody that's going to challenge the status quo and offer something different. I'm not saying you take somebody with zero experience whatsoever in education, but what you need to do is really carefully select the talent and develop it, because not everybody is born with all the skills, but you can find the potential and develop. And here is the role of the leader is to identify that, to identify the potential and leading by example to teach actually to teach them how to fish. I'm not saying go and do it for them. Okay, in very critical, super critical negotiations, you could go and take a part with the team. But only by being with you, they learn. And this is the point. The point is that you want to reach the point where you empower them to go and do their job and be very confident and know what to look for and be very confident that they're going to achieve a win-win situation. Keep the supplier happy as well as keep their own company happy and gain as much value as possible. <laughs> okay, so that's what is called on one side value selling and on the other side value buying. And that's why my belief is that if you look at the sales force and you decide to develop some of the salespeople that have been in sales forever, a good home for many of them could be procurement because mm. they really have been on the sales side. They know how to approach a seller and sell their concept in order to gain something for the company they work for. 
So this is very briefly, you know, an idea that I find interesting to discuss because just to discuss how expensive is the transport from China to here and how, you know, unreliable suppliers are in the COVID situation, microchip shortages and all of that is a trivial topic that sincerely everybody could read in the newspapers and are quite particular for particular industries. But what I'm talking here is something that is fairly common across the board. And I do not see it being addressed or being considered as an issue to address, which in my opinion puts a procurement in a lower position than it should be. And they really lose weight and confidence in management that they can deliver something. Okay? They become just part of people that, yes, you, you need to have them, so to say. But how do you make a difference? And you should make a difference in everything you do, in every function that you do, right? So this is an important point to discuss. And I think that as the time passes by and uh, we know that there is a huge shortage of talent, I mean, part of the shortage of talent in procurement comes from the fact that we just look through a microscope into a small pool of bacteria and don't look around us, around all the procurement <laughs> talent or talent that could be developed into procurement professionals is out there. And we limit ourselves by definition, you know, with the ransom note. And, you know, because the industry has become so artificial intelligence, I mean, the recruiting industry became artificial intelligence infected, if I can say that, you know, the software look for keywords. But these are not what is important. There are human qualities yeah. and professional and as well development of people that needs to be considered. And it's more important than the three years buying polypropylene and the two years developing with R&D, I don't know what. So uh, this is my point and it's a topic that I have been discussing on several platforms because there is no magic wand where you could put some software or digitalization and you achieve all that. No software could achieve a human relationship, understanding of your partner, and building supplier relation management culture in the company. Because it's a culture. The culture till recently, and in many companies, is push your supplier, push the knife to the bone, and get as much as you can on price. Yeah, but what do you win? These are short-term wins that are non-sustainable. And constant change of suppliers is super dreadful for manufacturing that needs to change and test all the time uh, formulas of products and so on, because products have different quality levels and so on. So you create a lot more trouble than benefit by constant changing of suppliers instead of finding a few to build good relationship with and rely on them, because when hard times come, as they come inevitably, you know, these are the guys that are going to help you and you're going to be their preferred customer. And that is the position you want to be. That is what's going to minimize the risk that you can envision, but not really pre-calculate. Yeah. By the way, I was completely absorbed with what you were saying because I've been doing some, let's call it experiments on social media, mainly LinkedIn. Okay. And I'll, I'll talk about some of these subjects and uh, I'll get a wealth of people 
Emperor Gilman, who just don't get it. <laughs> That's my feedback. They'll say, no, no, cost is fundamentally everything we need to focus on. To your point, you're talking about you know, supply relationship management, customer of choice just now. And those things are impossible to achieve if you solely focus on the cost aspect. And then what I found really interesting was your commentary there on the people side and with the inevitable discussions around going digital in procurement. If we don't have the right people in place with the right capabilities, we're not going to be able to do anything and we're never going to be taken seriously within the organization. And I think that's fundamentally what you're saying is that procurement has a big problem right now in that it doesn't have the right people in place. And what I was thinking about when you were talking is, say I'm an engineer or say I'm a salesperson, is procurement an attractive destination for me? And the reason I'm asking that, my current thoughts are not necessarily, but I'd be really keen to hear your thoughts there. Well, I mean, it can be but it depends on the leader who's leading the function, okay? If the leader who's leading the function comes from the old school, doesn't matter how old the leader is, because I've seen a lot of young leaders coming from the old school. It's not an age thing, right? Yes, it's not an age thing. I say this as well. It's an attitude almost, a a cultural way of working. Age is irrelevant. Exactly. It's a cultural way of working. So please remember that like plants, people grow in the right environment. Okay, so if they're both, doesn't have the vision, doesn't have the strategy, doesn't realize the importance of people, doesn't realize where you cannot replace the human touch because I'm not at all afraid of digitalization because digitalization comes after the fact. After the fact that you found the supplier, developed the relationship, have the contract in place or the agreement, whatever, because in many cases there are no written contracts nowadays, but you get the relationship and then Digitalization should help disseminate this information throughout the rest of the organization so it can be implemented with the right parameters and as well create the right purchase orders, the right requisitions, and so on, and go till the end of the process. Okay, This could be all digitalized. You don't really need much of a human touch because technology nowadays have developed ways to do that, and artificial intelligence could beautifully help you there. But this first part, this is nothing that can be digitalized, at least till we have super intelligent robots. Yeah, maybe one day, I don't know if we're going to be alive to see it, but it doesn't really matter because, you know, you're asking me, is it really attractive place to be? And maybe this is the problem with the talent shortage in procurement in the middle levels, okay, is that they get disappointed by how insignificant and stressful their job is. And naturally, it should be absolutely the other way around. It should be really interesting, creative, and they should be empowered to try to do their best and reach their peaks as people. Of course, I mean, you could not have somebody super introvert engineer who has been in R&D working with a small team of common-minded people and talking uh, techie with them to face the world and be a star in procurement. You need as well certain predisposition of character, like for sales. You know, to not have a guy who is shy to just pick up the phone and talk to someone or has a difficult situation, a conflict resolution, which happens all the time and decide how to resolve it in a mutually beneficial way. So there are certain personal predispositions, but, and you know, the problem is that if somebody is great in R&D, he knows the product, he developed the product, let's put him in procurement. 
okay, but everybody could advise you on the product. I actually don't really need to have all the specifications of the product and know it because the salesperson in front of me wouldn't know that either. Okay, their R&D guys can know it. And then we can bring our R&D right hands and they can talk the details. But the commercial part is what matters. The commercial part is what matters at the end. And then until it's realized in a company that sales and procurement are two sides of the same coin, nothing is going to change, you know, because procurement needs to be seen as enabler of growth. And it is an enabler of growth. Because if you can run very optimized, lean and mean operation, and a huge part of your cost is actually procurement cost, procurement managed cost, okay, then you really can touch the bottom line very significantly with the decisions you make in procurement. And that is critical. That is critical for your competitiveness. Because then you can play with a good margin but low price and beat the competition. While the other way around, you're just eating up your margin. That's what you can do if you're on the commercial side. And I have to say, I'm grateful that in my career, I have been on both sides of the coin. And I have been as well in supply chain. And the more holistic view you have on how the business is run, the better you can perform in both functions, in sales as well. If you know how procurement works in sales, you can make miracles. That's another thing, you know. I mean, you can look at the other way around. And that's why often in the organizations I've been in, we have had many interactions between sales and procurement to learn from each other. And we have played role changes and so on in difficult situations. And it's not only fun. You learn a lot. And each one of them realizes, okay, that's what I need to look for in the other side. And it doesn't matter who the individual is, actually, because they may change, like in your company. But the principle of how to prepare for a good negotiation is to know as much as possible about your counterpart, the company. There is a lot of public information these days, so it's not impossible. And get prepared on what you want to achieve and what is your really best case scenario of walking out of this, provided that there is no way that you can win at all. It's not a zero-sum game. You have to consider that the other part needs to get something as well. Otherwise, it's not going to happen in a permanent and positive way. Yeah. No, I really like your emphasis on the win-win. I hear a lot of people talking about win-win. And throughout the last few years of going into negotiations, I would be sometimes sat down with my, say, my VP of commercial or whoever it was, and we're talking about the upcoming negotiation. And... Uh, Internally, it's like, yeah, we want win-win with this supplier. We want to build up a long-term relationship or we've got this this program and we need this relationship for the next five years and we might win additional work and we may need their support. And then you get into the negotiation and you're playing the win-win strategy. And if they're in there, they may just take over and just go for cost or you come out of the negotiation and say, yeah, we've got a really good win-win scenario here. It's this and it's going to give us a, enough wiggle room at the other end. Uh, we've got enough margin there. And they're just default to, no, that's not enough. We need more and more from the supplier. And there's always this delicate balance between the win-win being a reality and win-win just being a nice thing to say. But the reality is, truly, we just want to save as much money and the relationship can almost be sacrificed. Yes, but you know, this is normally the case when you lack creativity of how to do it in any other way. Because there are other ways to achieve even better results the next year. 
because you know you could not have like a 20% decrease each year maybe you can have it on year one if something yeah. has not been managed well right but you could not have it you know year after year after year so the thing to do is not always push on price but find other ways when this supplier can help you or explore with alternative suppliers if more value you can get for the same price you can get more value from somebody else Okay, so that's another thing, mm. because there are many costs associated with the procurement decision. You know, there is a cost of transportation, there is a cost of cleaning uh, the manufacturing pipeline in order to introduce a new product. How much is this cost? Sometimes thousands and thousands. Uh, I can tell you that in the chemical industry, you could not stop a plant and you could not run suddenly a new product after the old one because you're going to totally screw up your formula. It's not going to work. So you need to do a thorough cleaning when the cleaning costs a fortune. So you could not just change like handkerchiefs, you know, suppliers from one day to the other. And you, you have to consider that. You have to consider that because this is a cost that you personally don't see in procurement. But when you draw the line for the whole company, because at the end of the day, you work for the company, these are additional costs or cost of waste of product that you create just because you introduce a new supplier and then for the first 20 tons it doesn't work till the pipeline is cleaned and then you throw away a full truckload of something, right? That costs something and it's normally it's not cheap, right? So what you need to be very, very careful is that the amount of additional costs around the chain, around the whole supply chain coming from your decision could be very significant. For example, the way you order your packaging, I can tell you, you talk with the supplier, but you know, you tell them, I have cases like that. When we say huge amount of money, price does not change. But we said, no, we don't want to have a bag of one ton of product. We want to have a ton and a half because then we can reach a full truckload of a truck. Otherwise, you know, I can just put 15 tons and with different packaging, I could put 20 tons, for example. And it means that my cost of transportation per ton is a lot less. Ton gaming, okay? These guys have to set up their systems in order to pack in this way. But if this is a conditio sine qua non, they will do it. And that's how the same price per ton, you're going to achieve and deliver value by reducing the transportation cost. So very simple example. But these are the things that you need to think about. And that's why I'm saying that the holistic approach, knowledge of the supply chain, knowledge where the cost is incurred, while this product is used or comes from the site of the supplier to your production site and goes through the pipelines and how it's used and so on, all of this knowledge needs to be well known to the buyer. And the buyer needs to really consider these elements. And then when they come and report to me, yes, I did nothing on the price, but what I did is payload optimization, then I take it from a, a factory which is much closer than the previous factory. I agree that. And then I have less transportation cost to begin with, apart from the payload. Then I uh, agreed with them consignment stock, which is going to relieve my working capital and additional 15 days delayed payment. Beautiful. And by the way, uh, 2% uh, it's a good win, at right? the end of the year. Yeah, but the price is the same or maybe 1% higher. I was like, beautiful, you've done a great job, okay? Because when you put the whole equation together, the value that you deliver could not compare with just 2% less and none of the rest there, okay? So that's why I'm saying that 
Unfortunately, this thinking process, this culture of running professional procurement is very rare to see. I'm not saying it does not exist. Oh, yeah, it certainly is. In small pockets. In small pockets, indeed. Yeah. And it's not encouraged by the leaders. It's not encouraged because procurement culture is a culture. And, you know, at that point in time where people are short, it's not only a question of shortage of people. It's a question of quality of people because you could not find a guy from the street and put them there and to run and buy for you for millions uh, of dollars product. It's not possible. Okay, so where are you going to look for this guy? I mean, I can take a manufacturing leader, for example, or somebody, you know, production engineer that runs production and knows production very well, and he's going to be a better buyer than a technical guy that knows the product very well from a development point of view. Why? Because all of these costs, all of these pitfalls with the product are pretty well known to them. Okay, and he's going to think about it, consider it, and say, yes, but this is better, and I want that, and I want that. And very often, procurement is separated from supply chain organizationally. The structure is wrong. And the procurement people rarely speak with manufacturing, which is wrong. They have to be total partners in crime. Yeah, definitely. And share experiences instead of, you know, treating them like the next part of the chain, which I don't care what happens there. It's not my job. It's not my business. I don't care. Yeah. It's a really good point. You've just got my brain thinking back to two roles in particular. At one point, I was working at a defense company in their laser facility. And this laser facility was just full of engineers, laser technicians, just and uh, physicists, some of the brightest people I've ever come across. And I was responsible for every part of that facility whilst I was there. And originally, I started off a mile up the road. This is a huge site. And I, I was like, I have no idea what's going on there. I have no idea what they need. I have no idea what they're talking about. I have no idea, just no idea. And um, after a couple of weeks, I managed to get myself in there. And then I managed to get myself next to them and uh, sat with them. And then I managed to get into all of their meetings. And they just were more than happy because it turned out that they were trying to buy stuff for themselves. They understood everything, but didn't have the time to deal with it. And you have to be alongside them and you have to almost absorb everything that they're saying. And that's where you almost have to be that sponge, right? And that, that was very early on in my career. And I just learned to just soak everything up there. But like a lot of procurement teams, to your point, are very detached from like the wider supply chain area. Luckily, that was a supply chain team I was in at the time. But it kind of becomes this, like we talk about these silos in procurement and normally what people refer to are silos within the organization. So they're siloed from finance or HR or, or whatever. But actually, it goes a little bit more deeper than that. You can become siloed within procurement from, say, the next step within the supply chain process. And as soon as you don't think about what comes next or what end product you're buying or what contract you're fulfilling further along, you can really mess this up for your company very quickly. Absolutely. And you know, one of the indicators of a thick procurement organization is if you have a lot of, I call it hobby buying on the site, which means everybody and their brother call suppliers and negotiate this and that, doesn't matter how small it is. But the procurement organization have no clue about that. And then they run in some sort of parallel world. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good way to explain it. <laughs> so this is a symptom of a serious disease. Okay, because, you know, why these guys do that? Because they find procurement useless. Okay. And they think that they can do a better job than what they do. Instead of sitting together and saying, but why? 
Why do you think procurement is not doing a good job? Explain to me, right? And the other way around, tell me, guys, what do you need? Because it shouldn't be like that. I don't come to run your production facility. You know, I don't press the button of your machine to run it for you because I will never do it <laughs> in a good way. I have no experience, no clue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just pressing the button, you know? Okay, I'm sure to mess something around. So that's why that shows clearly that there is something wrong that needs to be fixed. And believe me, sometimes the fixture is so simple, like talking to each other and agreeing on rules and who's going to do what. For example, I'm not going to mention the company. I don't want to speak about companies here. We're talking in general, right? That a company with a very strong R&D function and a lot of prototypes are built in the R&D center and the prototypes are built with certain raw materials. But the R&D center doesn't come to procurement to say, hey, listen, give me the list of the raw materials that we currently buy. So we can see if we can build our prototype with the existing raw materials, because if you proliferate the number of materials, I could never get purchasing power, okay, to get good price on it. But instead, they go and get prototype pricing, which is like three times the normal price, from a producer that they haven't checked in. They're not sure it's reliable. Yes, they make the product, and my prototype works. Yeah, but if this prototype tomorrow, which is usually the case, goes into regular production, we could not replicate what you've done. Because first, this company that you talk to don't have the capacity to meet our needs. You know, problem number one. Yeah. Okay, so they can just produce half of it. I mean, I could not mix it with something else that you have not tested. Okay, so why not start everything from the beginning? And that's why it's very important, again, to have this connection. And the companies that do a great job are the ones that have created the cooperation and participation of procurement from the early stages of innovation, early stages. So I'm not saying, oh, product ready, let's go. Because even if it's a unique product, you know, something that nobody ever produced before and there is one sole supplier, it's still good to know that this is the case and start preparing the ground for mass production if this happens to be the case. Yeah, your example there was one that I uh, was also had to deal with where... We were dealing with prototypes, prototype <laughs> purchasing. My memories came flooded back to me there because I was trying to ramp up or get ready for production. And I came in quite late to this area. I was just there to fix it. And this is one of the messes I had to fix because everything was based on like R&D prototypes and like these really long cycles for producing it. And there was no proven way to actually do it in the time that we required or with the right materials or to the right price but on paper and based on the i don't know what they call it yeah. studies or the prototype they had built it, it worked super interested and by the way i'm super conscious of time here okay and i would just really quickly like to ask you just a couple of quick fire questions that we try to ask everyone mainly because we have so many people who will listen to this and also from different sectors and it's really cool to like contrast and compare where we're at in terms of a profession, if we can call it that. So first quick fire question I was going to ask you is, how many suppliers are you directly responsible for, Nadia, in your role? And the answer may be zero. Directly responsible is totally zero because I have an organization of category managers and buyers that are running the supplier relationship. There are several key suppliers where I help and participate in negotiation because it's complex, it's important, and sincerely, we go there as a team. 
And it's very important as well to come on a certain level because it depends who's on the other side. So if the counterpart of the other company is uh, on my level, I'm not going to send him a junior buyer of 26, you know, to be eaten by the sharks. Definitely. So <laughs> that is what I would say. Okay. So again, zero suppliers. But yes, yeah, with some guardianship, let's say. And the last question, <laughs> this is always a, a weird one for me to ask, but it's kind of funny. The response is, I'm a procurement genie and you have one procurement wish that I can grant you. What would that wish be? My wish is that you deliver to me consistent data and uniformity in coding new products. Okay, that's what I want to have. And I explain to you why. Because one of the biggest impediments to aggregate buy is the fact that, let's say, a global company with 20 plants, each one of the plants have coded one and the same product with different names. And you would not understand how much of a buy you have globally. Yeah. And is that exactly the same product or very slightly different, but so slightly different that the margin of difference is insignificant? And because the consistency of ERP implementation of many, many companies have gone completely south, and I tell you why, sometimes it's a good reason, because let's say I implement an ERP system and everything is good and dandy, and then I acquire three other companies that step by and mess everything around because they have their own way of doing this until I go into complete unification, which is a long and tedious process, I lose the site. I lose the sight of what I manage. And if I don't know what I manage, I could not manage it well. Okay? So it's like, you know, you have a family with 25 members. They're all spending money. But you don't know exactly who is spending what. And you're wondering why my budget never comes up right. Right? And this is the point. So there are so many opportunities. But the data integrity, consistency of implementation, and very strict product creation rules, are really the foundation of a good, healthy procurement process. Because then you can do miracles if you're sure of the data that you have. That's it. And much, much time and human energy has been spent on crunching numbers and requalifying data, which at the end of the day, nobody, because these are human beings, is quite sure that is completely correct. Okay. <laughs> so... That is, that is one wish. It's a good wish. Yeah, it is a wish because I tell you to reach the point where you have a good unification, either you have to have for an initial strict process, and it's not a rocket science, but it takes a lot of time to unify and to discipline the organization. You normally centralize, you know, a team of people that are dealing with that in the system and nobody or whoever can touch it apart from this team. And with the permission of this team, because this is all related to how you price the product. Are you putting the correct price in the system? Because I can negotiate a beautiful price. And then if I never see it on the purchase order, who gives a crap? Then I see three-month prototype price. Why? Yeah, because somebody failed to not change the system when requested. You know what I'm saying? And then all this money, no supplier will come to you and say, yeah, you're paying too much. Right? <laughs> they will take, no, they will take it and say, oh, thank you very much, thank you very much, we want more, and so on, till you discover the mistake. Then, of course, a recovery could be done, but then it's again a lengthy process. Then again, it's a lengthy process, and it is your fault <laughs> at the end of the day. So this is my, my wish. 
Yeah, it's a fantastic wish, Nadia. And Nadia, honestly, this conversation has been wonderful. I think I could sit here for another hour, at least. Yeah, I'm sure. And I can talk for another three, because uh, sincerely, there are many, many things. But again, we I think that we need to talk of, you know, the elephant in the room, because there are some big topics in procurement that nobody's touching upon. Everybody's talking of how the supply chains are getting very complex and how expensive is the air freight and how expensive is the ocean freight and how this and the other, but that is not the point. This is not the point. The point is how do you organize yourself? Because if you're well organized, you can absorb all of these external factors. And yes, they come and go, but you can manage. It's not a problem. The problem is your internal house is not in order. And if your internal house is not in order, you don't know what you're doing. You're shooting in the dark. No, I completely agree. Thank you for coming on and just talking about this. Like you say, I think too many people probably shy away from it. And that's kind of <laughs> what we want to bring people onto this podcast that aren't going to shy away from this. So thanks so much for coming on and just sharing all of this amazing wisdom. Sure. My pleasure. Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeperhq.com. And then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.